And even as fans, anybody that listens, go out and see these kids play. Um, it might sound cliche, but they are absolutely worth the price of admission to see what these kids can do at 15, 16, 18 years old is just quite amazing. Hello, and welcome back to High and Tight on Game Time CT. I am Scott Erickson, and we are joined, as always, by the man in the sea unicorns hat, Pete Paguaga. Pete, how you doing? Good, Scott. I love that hat. Um, yes, well... I think I texted you when they were realigning the uh, minor league baseball this past year and the Norwich yeah. unicorns were like on the fence about whether or not they were going to, I bought a hat immediately. I was like, Oh, no, they're never going to, you know, they're, they're, they're a futures team now. Um, so they definitely don't have new era hats, let alone new era fitteds. So this, this is a, this is a relic, I think. Yeah, I got the T-shirt when they uh, when they first came out, and then I was yeah worried that they weren't going to even have a team before I got a chance to go see a game. So, but they are going to play this year. They're playing in the Futures League. Uh, there's actually a lot of good college baseball, uh, college level baseball that's going to be played over the summer. So, check that out. Uh, I wrote a little article about it last week. You can find that you in uh, various first publications. <laughs> it's everywhere. But there's some good ones. Uh, it's everywhere, including uh, our guest today is uh, Martin Fiore, who is the coach of East Catholic, uh, and he does a lot with the CCBL, which was uh, one of the college leagues that actually ran last year, so uh, we can ask him about that a little bit, because they had great success. I went up to a few games in Waterbury. That was a really fun league to, to go watch. It's, it's funny, you know, the high school kids are catching up, but when you can go watch like the college kids play, everyone's pumping 90-something, and the kids are hitting it, and like... Yeah. When it's, I, it's really uh, fun to watch that, I, that kind I, of baseball up close. Um, when I first started my career, I was working in Torrington, and I got to cover the Torrington Titans of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League. I don't think they exist anymore. But uh, it was pretty cool seeing some of these kids from college coming down and even some, like, really good high school players. There was a kid from Greenwich. Uh, what the heck was his name? He came up one year. He got drafted out of Greenwich. Yeah. Yeah, Taylor Olmstead played. Yeah, get drafted by the Rangers. Yeah. Yep. Before he went to UConn, but uh, yeah, it was a really fun league, and you know the ball is just different. You know, it hits different, sounds different in the glove. But uh, so Taylor Olmstead was uh, when I was uh, you know working in Greenwich at the time. He was the first kid that I saw where major league scouts started showing up at games and and coming to watch him. And I was like, God, there's so much pressure. And he was a batter, so it was like. It's one thing when you're pitching and you're in control of the game, but you're a batter. You're like, oh, my God, if I don't get a hit here, and the scouts are all here watching me. Yeah. Like, What if you go I, I know, that, that was tough pressure. Yeah, was a <laughs> one game, and then the scouts are like, that's it, forget it. Yeah. Obviously, they're looking at tools, and, that, and that's why he got drafted. He was fast. He was strong. Like, you can see all that stuff, even if he goes over four. So, speaking of scouts in Greenwich, uh, I went down and saw Miles Langhorn uh, pitch against Trumbull. Uh, and he was as advertised, you know, he had just been working his pitch count up. He had been in the seventies. He got up to 97 that day when I was there, there was a good 20 scouts there watching him. Uh, and again, they just like, he's throwing his bullpen before the game and they're all just sitting there with guns on him and phones. And he didn't seem to mind, you know, and it's like what's going on with Frankie. I, I mean, I don't know if you saw those photos from Muzzy last night. Yeah. From Dom Amore, my former professor. Yeah, Dom from the current, I mean, like, so many guys just sitting there behind home plate with with a with a radar gun pointed at you as you're working. And what did Frankie do? 
Didn't let up a hit again. It was only five innings, but I mean, this is how many innings in a row now? Is he not let up a hit? Like it's, it's, or something like that? I think it's crazy. It's 17 that we know of. Oh, no, no, it's 18 that we know of. It was a six inning no hitter. Then he threw a complete game no hitter. And then it was five innings. So I don't know what happened the game before that. But I will say, and I, I had this conversation with Frankie, and I actually just had this conversation with Matt Scott at Barlow on Monday when I was in high school. Like, again, I didn't play varsity baseball but like and I definitely wasn't a pitcher and I definitely wasn't good but like I played hockey I played volleyball like when my checked friend, all the boxes yeah when my friends you know even when I played summer baseball and like you know when I was like 18 19 like we were going out after the game or we were hanging out after the game so they would come to the game and watch I would get nervous you know, just like here are people yeah. there to watch me and like they got, you know, 20 radar guns on them and their future uh, is basically in every pitch that they throw or every at bat that they have. And they don't they don't care. They don't mind it. It's it's there. It's happening. But I would freak out every single time. And that's why I'm doing this. And not, yeah. you know, being a 31-year-old who's making, you know, $300 million in the major leagues. There are certain kids and certain, you know, they become adults, obviously, that just when that moment is big like that and all the eyes are on them, they get better. And it's a very unique human quality to have because most people react the way you would. Like, oh, my God, look at all these guys back here watching me. Like, I <laughs> throw strikes. Like, I don't even think they're paying attention to it. I think they're so locked in on what they're doing. Like, if you ask Frankie, how many scouts were riding home plate last night? I'd be like, I have no idea. Yeah. Like, like I was just, all I want to focus thing. on is the mitt and pound of strikes. That's the weirdest thing. Like, hockey was kind of fun in that sense because everyone's, like, cheering, and I wasn't – well, I was good enough to skate, but I – And that game's go, always going. Yeah, like, so, like, not, I would, no like, time to think. check yeah. a guy, and everyone goes crazy. Ah, I get in the box. I get punched in the face. Ah. You know, but when you're pitching and there's literally <laughs> they're staring at you, like right, you just you look up by accident to them, like, and then they're all there. Oh, yeah, I don't know. it's a very it's a very unique thing that a kid that age can just lock in and not be good, but be great. I mean, he has been great. Like his even, stock must be Quinn, soaring to the roof. Even Quinn, uh, uh, Braden over at Bra uh, Brandon over at New Fairfield. He had some scouts there last week when they played Barlow. Him and Matt Scott went at it. Obviously, Matt they're Scott around now, man, and they're in the state. Like, they're not here to watch one kid. You know, there's there's four or five kids that are drawing interest from MLB scouts. It's it's like, we've said this before. It's a great time for high school baseball in Connecticut. Like, if you're a high school baseball fan, this is it, man, because the quality of the top players has never been better because they've never played so much, you know, like yeah. the, the amount of time that they play in the indoor facilities that they have access to just make them great. Uh, and speaking of indoor facilities, Miles Langhorn, I was shocked. But I said, where do you work out? Like, you know, Bobby Valentine's club. I was like, no, I work out the Y. He's like, they, I got a little net in there and cage. I just go throw and lift and do everything I need to do with the Y. It's right near my house. And I was like, that is so refreshing. <laughs> what, a, what a real regular Joe. It's crazy. I know, man. You talk to some of these kids, and they do have the ability to go to a lot of different places. So it's nice that I eh, just go to the Y. I got I got to go to the That's Y. Really all, uh, right. But if you have a, a good coach, he has a good pitching coach who yeah. also works the Y. 
uh, but was a former Major League Baseball player. Um, you can do that anywhere. You can always find a field to go work out at, and you can find a high school gym you can pop into. Uh, look, I got these facilities are amazing, and the technology is amazing. I got to get a Y membership. I got to go work out with yeah. with Miles because two weeks ago during softball, I was playing second base, and I threw a guy out at first, and the other team just started calling me Noodle Arm. <laughs> So like, all right, Miles, let's hit the gym. That's that not good. Let's Noodle hit the arm gym. I got to get my arm strength up. I mean, I threw the guy out, and they were like, oh, noodle arm, noodle arm. I'm like, I'm like, what are you uh, talking about? Oh, they're riding you from the dugout. Yeah. Noodle arm from second. You don't want to be called noodle arm thorn from second, man. That is, no, not, that is not good. Don't get me wrong. If the kid beat it out, I'd be like, well, okay, whatever. I threw the kid out. Noodle. Yeah, you got him out. What the, what the heck? Yeah, they're just bullies. They're <laughs> bullying me. It's because I'm. It's because I'm the old one out there. Was like, it, if it was people on my own team busting my chops, all about it. It was. Some, I never met any of them before. We ran in the dugout, and they're like, "Oh, like, do you know these? You know this team?" I was like, "No." They're like, "Oh, dude, they're just calling you Noodle Arm the entire game. They do not like you." Oh, Pete, poor Pete. That's your best softball story yet. I like, really it's fun because like, like I one. run into like there's a an assistant coach from a local team who plays in the league. So I like see him all the time. I've seen a couple of years ago there was a, a current CIAC player playing at the time for another team. And I was at I was at second and he almost took me out. And like we like, I was like, dude, you know, I gotta go to work tomorrow. And he goes, Oh, I know your voice, you do high and tight. I'm like, yeah, dude, don't take out my knees. <laughs> so, like, I run into people, Jeez. like, constantly, uh, like, doing the softball and everything. Uh, everyone's like, oh, so you know these guys. I was like, no, no, they're just being really mean to me. <laughs> I don't know, man. Something about your face, I guess. I guess so. Um, so, Hey, I don't know if you know this. We're in the last week of the season. Uh, CCC has another week after this, but we're in the last week of the regular season here. Conference tournament. Yeah. It's our next week. Uh, it's unreal that, it, that it's ending uh, yeah. so, so fast. I mean, it, we're not ending. We're getting to the best time, I should well, say. Like, I, well, I it, have it to say. the absolute best time. Here. I, I'm going to have to do a little PSA. Um, NVL, can you please send in a schedule? Like, I've reached out to numerous people and coaches within the NVL and no one knows what the schedules are. So please, if you're an NVL coach, NVL player, Ryan Daniels, I know you listen to the show, ask your coach to send me the schedule so we can make sure we can go there. I'm looking at the schedule now from what we have, the championships on Wednesday, the 26th is the SWC, potentially the NVL. I'm not hundred percent short. Like I said, send it in the Thursday, the 27th is the SEC and the ECC. And Friday the 28th is the FCAC and the Shoreline. You know what that means? There are two baseball games a day. Hey, guess what, guys? There are two baseball people on this podcast. We can get every game if you tell us when they are. Yeah. Tell that's us my, when they are and that's my don't rant. rain. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. like, uh, you know. So we're, we're excited for that. We're excited for real postseason. Uh, we haven't had a real postseason uh, since – Really, the fall of nineteen. I mean, the winter of two thousand twenty was interrupted. We had, so we, we had, had we had we had conference. We had half a we had half a state tournament. We had, we have had conference tournaments, 
uh, in the winter and in the fall, but they were just, they were not the same. No. And, and the state tournament's just different. And you it just know, hits the, different. Like the kids say, it just, it hits. does. It, it, it does hit different and it just the finality of the whole thing and what's at stake is just so much higher. And as much as I loved the conference tournaments and was happy people were playing uh, in the winter, this is the real deal now. And this feels normal. Everything's starting to feel normal around the world, you know, not around the world, but around the United States at least. And around this area, you know, people are starting to take their masks off and go places and, I heard concert announcements on the radio yesterday. Like uh, things are uh, are getting back. Fenway Park's going to be at full capacity end of May. Like I kind of feel like I missed my opportunity though to go and like have a road of myself. Which I, I had a friend like a dream of mine. Situation I had a friend of mine who went <laughs> major league baseball game. I know. Well, you could just go to a Tampa Bay game. Um, I had a friend of mine who went to a Red Sox game, and he was saying that he's <laughs> going to Tampa anytime. Yeah, Tampa anytime. <laughs> So I just want to give a shout out to to Jake Paisano from Hamden. Uh, he listened to last week's episode when I criticized his uh, Dale Earnhardt jacket. So he responded with, I am not at Pete Paguaga, not a fan of the fit hashtag drip. I do not know what any of that means. <laughs> well, we know what drip is. I mean, drip is like, like being styled out and like looking good. And is it? I don't so he know. doesn't care. Is essentially saying like yeah. I mean, I have to read it myself, but I think that that's the loose translation. Is like I, I don't care. You say like I'm wearing my Dale Earnhardt jacket, and that that's that all, or NASCAR, all, whatever whatever it was. I'm going to every CT based tweet the rest of the year is going to have CT based hashtag drip. I love it. <laughs> hashtag we'll, we'll noodle alarm. Audience. <laughs> hashtag noodle alarm. I, I'm going hashtag noodle alarm. Every time now, I'm actually gonna write that hashtag noodle alarm. So I remember tonight to, <coughs> to tag everything noodle alarm. <laughs> oh man! All right, listen, uh, we're gonna be joined here in a minute by uh, East Catholic coach Martin Fiore. Uh, so we will be right back uh, with the coach of the number one team of state. We are joined now by East Catholic baseball coach Martin Fiore. Martin, welcome to High and Tight. Welcome back to High and Tight, I should say. Yeah, I'm excited. Pete and Scott, thanks for having me. Yeah, you are. Um, you're a second time on this show. I believe you came on in 2019. I believe you also joined Jack McFarlane and Chris Borelli as two-time guests. I could be incorrect, but I think it's just the three of you now. You're an exclusive club coach. Going to put that on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> state champs two-time high and tight guests <laughs> well we gotta get that that other part down there first before i can put that on the wall right um but hey you guys are having a great season so far what's the the atmosphere been like and, and how fired up are the kids with, with the way everything's going up there absolutely electric it's been a lot of fun these kids have embraced the opportunity to play baseball again number one but to see so many people out and about watching the game, helping grow the game, support all the kids, you know, even the games that I go to watch that aren't ours, there's a lot of fans in attendance, which I just think in general is great for high school sports. Yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, that atmosphere at the Southington game was awesome, wasn't it? You know, for, for it's something that everybody should get an opportunity to experience because that's like, 
for me anyway, the, the pinnacle of high school regular season baseball to have so many supporters and people and great squads and coaches and fans and seeing kids from other schools and coaches from other schools and the text messages and the, the emails that come on out from everybody with support for that game specifically, just uh, unchartered for a regular season type atmosphere. Yeah, it was, it was wild. Uh, I mean, I got there two hours before first pitch, um, but on, on your recommendation coach, but you know, it, it seems that way this year. And we've talked about this on the show a lot. And you and I've talked about it. You know, there's a lot of talented players in the state this year. And I love the fact that these kids want to go see each other. You know, there were so many schools that went to the game on Monday. I go to hand practice last week and I'm talking to a couple of their seniors and they're asking me, have you, how was Frankie on Monday? Have you seen Langhorn yet at Greenwich? Have you seen Scott at Barlow? Have you seen Daniels at St. Paul? Have you seen Juju at Amity? All these kids know. They all pay attention. Uh, when I was up there doing the story on, on Frankie about a month ago at this point or a couple of weeks ago, him and I were talking about Quinn at New Fairfield. Like, and he's like, yeah, we talk all the time, him and Garbowski and the three of them. Obviously, they're all going to UConn, but they all pay attention to how each other is doing. And I just think that's so cool. And I don't think we see that in every other sport or in any, you know, I can't think of another sport where you see that, where they care and they, they're they rooting for other kids at other schools who they compete against. I, I think that's so cool. Yeah, I mean, no doubt about it. And even as fans, anybody that listens, go out and see these kids play. Um, it might sound cliche, but they are absolutely worth the price of admission to see what these kids can do at 15, 16, 18 years old is just quite amazing. The, the opportunities that they're given, they're taking advantage of it. Uh, the ones that are actually serious about it and have big plans, hopes, and dreams, they're awesome. And it's a pleasure to go out there and just watch these kids and root for them too. I mean, you're, you're not going to a game rooting specifically for one team. You're mostly rooting for a good well-played, well-coached baseball game. And these kids, you know, put the show on and they hustle and they, and they're stronger and they're faster. And man, some of these kids can chuck it, you know, where 80 used to be cool. 85 was cool. Now these guys are hitting 90 miles an hour. I mean, get out there and watch it because um, they are absolutely worth the price of admission. So I kids see. are throwing 90, but kids are also hitting 90. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's something else too. I mean, like that, we never even saw kids that threw 90. So I mean, all the kids just seem so much better. I mean, have you seen that too? I mean, it's not just us, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I, I'm not sure if it, and I, I don't even want to say it was the time off because people can use that as a negative. I can speak for our guys specifically that, you know, we only had two returning varsity players coming back from our team. And it's not that anybody's going to feel sorry for us, but we had Frankie Mazzucato and Ryan Shaw were really the only two returning varsity players that had innings. And the last time that our seniors, and we're senior heavy, the last time they had played, they were sophomores on the JV team. And they all had the, they had the moves, they had the looks, they were able to play. They just couldn't get the ball out of the infield or throw it as hard as they wanted to. But let me tell you, these kids showed up this year and I and our squad have been able to absolutely reap the benefits from the time they've spent in the gym, the time they've spent training. They fully took advantage of it. And I would like to think a lot of other kids have done it as well because there was really nothing else to do. Um, the, yeah, the list of 
potential draft picks that are just in our in our state at the high school level is um, amazing. The Division One talent is amazing. Our Division Three talent is amazing. Yeah. Right? These can absolutely play, and they've gotten better. And how much of that is the, the quality of the summer programs that have gotten better and better, and that the fact that we might bemoan that they're not in the state or not playing Legion, but if a kid can go play with the Canes or one of these tra- elite travel teams, that is as good as it gets, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the elite ones like the Canes are special, and it's invitation only. And it doesn't even, you know, cost anything to play. It's more of a sponsor type thing to showcase ability and get in front of pro scouts. So when you're talking to Canes, you're talking a completely different level than um, some of the ball that we've actually got around here that they can give opportunities to kids. Um, There is a lot of travel baseball, you know, in the state, probably too much, to be honest with you. Um, But I like also to see kids competing at the Legion level, competing for state uh, championships. And anytime that, you can play a meaningful game that helps you qualify for a tournament. I mean, having something on the line is extremely important in my, in my mind, you know, and so having the kids being able to compete, get out there and then physically being able to do it special. You know, you, uh, you know, we talk about the talent. I, I, I really think a big part of it, I think the college programs are so good in this state. Obviously we talked about UConn at length, Fairfield's having a great year. I went to Southern Southern was Awesome when I was there. There's very good program. Eastern's very good. Quinnipiac was in the tournament two years ago. Like you look around the state and a lot of these in-state programs have in-state players who are competing at a high level. I think that really helps out. One of your players, uh, you know, we've spoken at length about Frankie, but I really want to talk about Hank Penders. One, love the kid all time. He's a catcher. He's great. Uh, Frankie's quote about having the most confidence in him after the Southington game made my heart grow as a former catcher. But And I know that you have a, a friendship with Jim Penders, his father, the UConn coach. But how do you, like, when you're talking to him about Hank, like, you know, he's a Division One baseball coach, and you're saying, you know, you know, maybe Hank needs to do this and this. Like, how does that conversation go where you got, like, he's coached numerous major league guys who have gone on and are doing great things at the next level, even at the college level, and here you have his son, and you're like, you know what, Jim, I really think he needs to work on X, Y, and Z. <laughs> Yeah. Now, you know, the only time that I really have uh, spoken to Jim or any other parent specifically about their kids is if there's something physically going on, if there's any ailments or how school's going. Um, When it comes to actually playing the game and getting better at the game, we don't really talk to the parents so much, including Jim. You know, uh, I can ask him, as I do other coaches, like what's what's our game look like from the sideline and try to get uh, a perspective from from that angle, but really, you know, he's, they're a supportive family. And, you know, when we talk about Hank, he would have been a real easy kid if he was just a number when he came into East Catholic, you know, he's five feet tall, a hundred pounds. And, and he's one of the guys that has absolutely committed to his body, to his game. He's bigger, he's stronger, he's faster. Now um, he, you know, when you come in, he had all the moves, but he just wasn't physically blessed with size at that time. But as high school coaches know, and parents know kids will, you know, grow a lot sometimes between their freshman and sophomore year, between their sophomore and junior year. And it seemed like every time I saw Hank, he was taller and he was bigger. And then all of a sudden he started getting thicker and then he started getting a little faster. So, and then he's, you know, one thing with, 
with his connections is he's been able to catch a lot of really, really good pitchers in his time and, and major league pitchers and minor league pitchers. So his ability to do the job behind the dish is, is second to none for us anyway. And he's so valuable to us, you know, behind the plate, never mind what he can do offensively. Uh, he's a general, he knows the game, he's smart. He can control pitchers, not just Frankie, but everybody else. And the guys love throwing to him. Yeah. I mean, obviously TJ Wynn um, <clears throat> as well <clears throat> is uh, a sophomore, I believe for you guys. And then you have uh, Ethan, uh, who I'm not going to try and pronounce his last name. He was a really good hockey goalie uh, for East Catholic. But another kid who, you know, everybody talked about Frankie on Monday night two weeks ago, obviously. But Alex, I want to pronounce his last name right. E. Rosari. Is that correct? Yeah, that's, I, that's I call him I Rosari. No, I said I Rosari, but nobody's corrected me yet. So yeah, that's a name that everyone needs to know. He's a junior shortstop. He's going to Maryland. He went three for three in that game and had three RBIs. I mean, he, when I was up there, you and I were talking, you're like, this is the next one. Um, I, you know, maybe he gets a little overshadowed and it, it is what it is. But I mean, how good is he and, and how much has his, you know, forward progress in the program has helped you guys, you know, in the field and, and in the lineup? Yeah, listen, having Alex, you know, we really missed not having a season last year because I, I feel as though as a sophomore, he could have contributed at a high level, <clears throat> just like he is this year. You know, playing a solid shortstop really is what's the most important thing as a, for me personally as a coach to be able to uh, make the plays and get the outs, never mind the fact that he can make some outstanding plays and he's got a solid arm. <clears throat> His bat is special as well. You know, we're working on some things with him, too, because everybody can get bigger, faster and stronger and better, you know, and and I just say to him, I'd be doing you a disservice if I just told you you were awesome all the time, which <laughs> which he is, you know, don't get me wrong. But uh, Alex has been a, a, a super, super addition to our program. The kids love him. He fits right in. I mean, he's a baseball player and he wants to work out. 24 hours a day and he, he stays late for BP every single night. And, um, you know, we had to do a couple things with a portable mound just to make sure we weren't chewing up the grass in front of the mound because these guys just want to hit and hit and hit. And, and he's brought that to our program to where Jimmy Titus wanted to do the same thing all the time. So now Alex has kind of carried that and the guys see his commitment to, you know, still lifting in season and working out in season and never being satisfied. And that's an element that Alex has been able to give to us to continue going because that's important. Speaking of your program, uh, you guys have built a great program there, especially with your assistant coaches. And you talked a little bit about it in the preseason, but the fact that these guys work in the offseason with, with college kids, how have the assistant coaches carried that over and helped you build this program up? And, and what do they do in practice to, to get these guys ready? So we always tell our kids that they got to get better in the off season, right? Play at a high level, you know, lift your weights. And as coaches, we kind of have the same mentalities that we're telling kids to get better. We've got to do at least a little something to try to get better ourselves and learn a little bit more. So uh, most every one of our coaches coaches in the summer in a collegiate league, um, we've got Mr. Bantle, who's with the bees, been a super addition for us. Um, he handles all of our uh, our offensive uh, pregame. 
So to be able to have a schedule and have the kids in the cages before the game, everything is, is lined up for them and mapped out for them. They know exactly what they need to do. Mike has completely embraced that role and, and made us better in that aspect. Um, Coach Casasanta handles a lot of the defense. So the, the pregame with the in and out practices in and out and to be able to trust those two guys offensively and defensively is, is a complete blessing. I mean, as a head coach, you know, it's not even really about the X's and the O's. It's how can you organize the program to be, to be organized and have every facet of the game covered. You know, we've got Coach McMahon, who has been there for forever, came in with me when I was the freshman coach, but was also at East Catholic. Uh, before my time, he's by title our JV coach, an offensive-minded guy, um, is an East Catholic alum, been there and done that. He knows how the school operates. He knows how our program operates to be able to give our young, our young and upcomers to coach McMahon is his eyes are my eyes. And he will say, this kid is ripping the ball with me. And you know what? Next game, that guy's my DH because I completely trust him. Uh, Tommy Seaver is our freshman thirds coach by title. He's awesome with our younger guys, teaching them the program. I mean, everybody has a job. Everybody does it with pride and enthusiasm we don't ever have to worry about what's being said and how it's being said. They've all got the kids' best interest in mind. So, you know, in the summertime, we've also got um, guys that coach in the Connecticut Collegiate Baseball League. Um, I run two teams, and then my other coaches will coach either team. Jimmy Titus was actually one of our coaches last year when the, the Cape shut down in the NECBL. So we try to keep our Connecticut kids in, in state as much as possible because we do have good college players and we'd like to have them, you know, play each other in the summertime. So our, our coaching staff is, I, mean, I don't want to say it's second to none, but it's perfect for what we're doing. It's extremely important. It, it just doesn't happen by accident. These kids just don't roll out of bed right. and do what they do. You know, there's a plan. We call it our flight plan, how you walk, how you talk, how you act, the college guidance. And, you know, the college guidance program has also been very successful for us, teaching these kids how to get noticed and, and also encouraging coaches to come out and watch us, never mind pro scouts to come out and watch us. So it's sleek team effort. By all means, I am not the one to take all the credit, you know, um, it's, it's all the assistant coaches and what I they mean, the do best coaches kids. build a great staff around them to make you look better. I mean, <laughs> not, to, <laughs> not to make your kids look better, but I mean, a smart coach gets great assistant coaches to do that work. I mean, that's, that's yeah. the job of a staff, right? We have, we have this funny line uh, at East with our coaches is that we don't have a lot of pay for our guys. So it was, it's like, we'll work for gear. So they work hard and we pay them in gear and they, they, they love work it. for gear. Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say, I think I got to become a coach now. Cause I love gear. You guys are heading in. You guys are the last remaining undefeated team in the state. Right. Right. Right now. You guys are the number one team in the state. There's a lot of pressure surrounding your program. Anyway, I know you have the highest standard for this program. You have MLB scouts at Oh, you know, at least once a week at your games to watch Frankie pitch. How has the team been able to kind of handle all the pressure coming from all different ways, whether it's the program's high standards, being undefeated, being the number one team in the state, uh, having all eyes on you every single time you guys take the field? We actually 
we've actually focused a little bit more on our mental aspect this year. Um, and part of it is at the time, not having any losses or being undefeated. And we talked about, is there pressure? Because, you know, baseball is a game that you've got to be able to play fearless and don't be afraid to fail. And our guy, we talk about that and say, listen, are you feeling the pressure to go undefeated? Because honestly, it really doesn't matter at all. Um, whether you got no losses or 10 losses, if you're in the tournament, you're in the tournament. Frankly, sometimes I feel as though being a, a, a lower seed in the tournament is a benefit if you've got a number one arm. Um they know the eyes are on them. One of the biggest compliments that we take as, as a program is when one of our alumni comes back and says, oh, gee, coach, um, you, you've got that now. And we say, well, we only have it because of what you did when you were here. Yeah. And the, our current guys know that it's been paved by those before us, even myself with coach Penders before me. We're just trying to keep a tradition going. And we say, you know, tradition never graduates. So we try to stay loose. We try to play without any fear. Um, don't be afraid to fail. And because as long as you're playing this game, you're going to keep striking out. You're going to keep booting balls. You're going to keep walking guys. So it's all about failure. We just try to limit the amount of times that it happens. You know, we got rid of the, the batting average. All we do is talk about quality at bats. And it's ironic. I mean, the kids don't know it, but, you know, we started that maybe about six years ago and, and we're setting a school record right now for batting average. <clears throat> and we don't even talk about it. It's just hit ball hard, get on base, have that opening day mentality. Um, we're big into some of the, the, the online videos and, and tapes or discs, whatever. I Things that Steve Springer is fantastic with the mental game of baseball. And we talk about it even in our rain delay yesterday. We all sat down and talked about how can we make adjustments in game when we're facing a different type of pitcher, you know, have the mentality about shooting middle doesn't mean that you have to hit it up the middle, but it just means that you got to be thinking about it using all fields and you will become a better, better hitter immediately if you can understand that concept. Yeah, it's it's really interesting um, seeing the way that different teams kind of operate throughout the state because, you know, teams like, you know, what you guys are doing. I know other teams have kind of adopted that kind of mentality. Um, some teams are I just wrote a story on, you know, teams having fun during practice and making everything a competition. Iron sharpens iron was one of the quotes from Norwalk coach Ryan Mitchell. And then you have some teams who are still kind of playing that old school kind of baseball. Um, where it's batting average and wins are great. And it's just like a completely different styles across the state. What made you guys kind of, you know, change that mindset? Like, you, you know, six years ago, you said, like, what made you guys change? Like, this is kind of how we're going to operate now. We're going to kind of go away from, you know, the old school baseball adage to now this is what we're going to do. Yeah, as coaches, we attend – you know, baseball conventions in the off season in the winter time. We're constantly talking to college coaches to see what they're doing, what works for them. Um, we had a specific game against South Windsor a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember the score, but we won. And I was saying how it was the worst game we had played all year. Now, in my younger days of coaching, I probably would have sat in the in the outfield and questioned their heart, questioned their desire and their effort. But when you think about it, you know, nobody's really trying to make an out. Nobody's trying to to, you know, 
walk somebody or pop out. It's, it's trying to get into the kids to understand that you're here for them so that they can trust you. If they trust you, then they're probably going to be a little bit more relaxed and be able to play the game themselves. Uh, all the mental aspects. I watch professional baseball and it absolutely drives me crazy. I don't see how some teams can have more strikeouts than, than home runs or even hits. I mean, is it really working? You know, the high school level, put the ball in play for crying out loud because fields aren't that great. The sun isn't that great. Umpires might have an off day. You know, I mean, there's so many other aspects to playing a high school baseball game than it is about your launch angle. I mean, we have we have pictures of all of our games. And every time I see one of our guys with that crazy launch angle, like I send it to them because it might look good in a picture. But then when they realize what they did in that at bat, they're like, yeah, maybe it's not working for me. You know, so we all have the same goal as coaches. We all just go about it a little differently. And that doesn't make any way more right than others. Some of the stuff I or all the stuff that I do is just copying from other coaches that I've seen and that I've liked or twisted it our way. And you kind of have to keep up with the times in a way because coaching 15 years ago is a lot different than it is today, just because society is a lot different today. And summer baseball is a lot different than today. And kids are just a lot different than today. Yeah, no. Absolutely. And I have two daughters, one graduated college and one's right now a collegiate athlete at central. And I know what works for them. So I try to, you know, use some of, you know, central soccer in my program because I see that it might work for them. No, that's awesome. That's a great way to go about it. I mean, I'll be, you know, from my perspective as a, as a writer, like I read everybody else's stuff, you know what I mean? And it's obviously completely different than baseball, but I, Oh, I like the way they did that. Or I, you know, I watch other people who shoot video. I'm like, Ooh, I like that angle. I'm going to try that next time. So that's, I mean, that's how you get better in just anything that, uh, that you do, but, I, I would be remiss. We have you on the show. We need to talk about this because you and I have spoke about this at length. I'm pretty sure we talked about it two years ago when you were on the playoffs. And we've talked about this with a lot of coaches so far. The one and done just isn't a baseball thing. I think a lot of coaches agree in that sense. You can run into a number one, you know, who's a lower seed and all of a sudden you're out of the playoffs. Um, what do you maybe want to see going forward or is it something that, you know, is possible? Cause I spoke to a lot of coaches. They want maybe the first two rounds be a series, you know what I mean? Or the championship or the semifinals be a series, but where do you stand on that? I, I guess it will all stem from what, like, what's our goal is our goal to have the best team be labeled state champion, or do we just want to have a tournament for the sake of having our tournament and labeling somebody? Cause it's still a lot of fun. It's still great. And people still come out and watch. But if, if you kind of look at us specifically this year, you know, having Frankie, if we happen to be a, a 10 win team or an eight win team, I would really like our chances up against a number one or a number two seed. And then after that, we might not have any pitching left. So where does that leave me? I just knocked off the number one because I've got a kid that can chuck it. But then our depth really isn't that good. So maybe we lose the next game and we did somebody else a favor by getting out a high seed. If you want a true champion, it has to be at least a double elimination tournament. And that's not even really negotiable. You know, um, there's plenty of time to do it. We can make it happen. Um, every league except for us has a conference tournament. We don't play 
on Memorial Day weekend, which is typically when you're growing up with the Little League, I mean, that's your first parade. That's your first time, you know, having a a big assembly at the field with every single Little League team. And and it's a great, great atmosphere. Everybody loves it. Um, Why not do it? Why not keep it going? Imagine if we were able to do it and how many other younger kids and Little Leagues would come out and watch and want to be a part of it. But just having a, a double elimination or playing a series just gives you more of a true champion. And that's what I would personally just like to see if we're going to talk about a state champion. We want to recognize somebody. It's still fine and it's still a good tournament. It's still a lot of fun. We just talked about how things are different than 15 years ago. Yeah. And maybe today we could consider adjustments because it might be better for the game and better. Are we really anxious for our kids to go play summer baseball? To me, I would like to have my kids. I don't have them enough. I'm not able to be around them enough. Yeah. Um, High school baseball, frankly, just isn't enough for me personally because of the limitations. And I understand that because it made a lot of sense maybe a long time ago, but the way things are changing, it's changed a lot in five years, never mind 10 years, never mind 15 years. So Hopefully we can consider that um, and it would grow our game. And I think label a true champion. Yeah. I mean, you even talk about like five, six, seven years ago, like you could throw your pitcher in back-to-back games. <laughs> I mean, you could yeah. uh, now, you know, if your ace, the way the tournament's set up with, you know, games on June 1st, June 2nd, June 3rd, whoever pitches on the first, if he gives you a complete game, you're not seeing him into the quarterfinal or into the, uh, into the semifinals. And that's, I mean, that's an added strategy that coaches have to think where it's like, do I want to throw my guy in the semis or do I want to save him for the finals? Or do I want to throw him in the first round or do we leave him? Do we leave him on, you know, do we not pitch him in the first round, pitch him in the second round, but then you have to guarantee that you're going to win the first round because you don't want to lose with your best arm in the bullpen. Yeah. You know, we have our pitching limits, which are great because some coaches will not abide by them. Counts and let yep. kids go out there. We've seen it happen. Um, the way our tournament is set up is it baits you to throw your kid on three days rest. Um, three days rest is not full baseball rest. Yep. Four days rest is really full rest. So when you go Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, you're really baiting the coach to throw the kid who threw game one in game three, which we haven't done yet. And maybe that's one reason why it's cost us, you know, state championship opportunities in recent history, but we realize that our kids have bigger fish to fry and there's no sense in sending them out hurt. But in the same respect, if we did have double elimination, I'd like to think high school sports is also about participation. It would force some coaches to play more kids. More kids would get that opportunity. It would be more of a full team aspect instead of maybe your top 13 guys, you know, goes a little deeper until 16, 17, everybody can contribute. And it's okay. Like it's okay to give up a lot of runs as long as we're all competing hard and having fun doing it. Um, Everybody's in the same boat. So Maybe from the academic type atmosphere we're in with high school sports, it would be great for more kids to get an opportunity to play because it would force us to play them more. 
I think it's definitely a conversation that needs to be had uh, in regards to the state tournament. Um, you know, I, I, it's so weird in a normal year. And this is not one where the winter season ends the day that pitchers and catchers start. Right. So you're already kind of behind the eight ball. Then you have to get it in by X date. Right. So you're jamming 20 games in there and it's a sprint. It really is. I mean, you see other states where they play into the June, maybe even July. Um, I mean, if you could get you could probably get a double elimination with the series and the championship done before July 4th. I mean, I, look, don't get me wrong. I, I love celebrating July 4th. Um, you know, I like spending it on the golf course. But if that was like July 4th weekend was like, you know, that Friday was game one. And then Saturday, everyone came back and it was like, win or go home. You know, you, you play at nine and 11 if you have to, you know what I mean? Like that would be really fun. I don't know if that would ever happen, but it's definitely a conversation that I think a lot of coaches want to talk about. I don't know how we can get it done or how, you know, the coaches can get it done. Cause it really starts with the coaches and the athletic directors. No one, no one cares what we think. So, um, if you're if you're giving us the opportunity to play until July fourth, <clears throat> it can happen. Absolute piece of cake. Yeah. Uh, you know, my feeling is we could still do it in the time frame that we have, um, if it was important. Um, but again, the tournament we have right now is fantastic and it's fun. It just could use maybe a little a little tweaking to make it a little bit more fun, <laughs> you know? So I know it's a lot of work and we have to consider graduations and, and um, senior activities. Like I get all of that, not a problem, um, but we could work around it because we're already working around it. We have to move games because of proms and because of SATs and the spring is just a tough time to have, to have sports because there are so many other things to, to work around. Um, you talked about the preseason you know, we've been fortunate at East to have a pretty good basketball team the last several years. So when we come to pitchers and catchers, even our hockey team has been good. Um, pitchers and catchers come. I don't have any basketball or hockey players. Yeah. You know, and again, I realize that nobody's going to feel sorry for us. But, you know, the schedule does have its have its disadvantages at times, but everybody's doing the best they can. And I would like for somehow maybe coaches to have a little bit more input or to be to be listened to because we're the ones that are in the trenches and so are the kids, you know, talk to the kids, ask the kids what, what they would like. And, you know, you could even go from there. So it doesn't sound like just a bunch of coaches complaining about different things. Yeah. You know, kids want opportunities and it, it would be fun. Yeah. I think kids would obviously love more baseball. I think, I think the rules are in place because of certain programs or coaches who were taking advantage, um, you know, back before there was a pitch count, right. Back before some of the rules were in place and, you know, look, even when I played and it wasn't really that long ago when I was playing baseball, like we didn't have any of those rules. And there were, I played on some teams with some coaches who guys threw back-to-back days, guys threw back-to-back games. And like, I mean, it was what, 2004, 2005, like, Science has come a long way since then. And our knowledge is, is a lot. Uh, we know a lot more than we did back then. And like, you know, I, I hated to see some kids that I've covered who were great in high school and like helped pitch their team to a championship. And then they got to college and they had arm issues and all of a sudden they're derails their next four years just to win a high school championship. Like, I don't know. It, it's such a interesting and confusing topic where there are no easy answers 
Um, but I think a conversation needs to be had. And uh, I don't know. It's something I, I will say uh, it, it is fun. Like, don't get me wrong. I do enjoy the winner go home from my perspective, but if I was a player or a coach, it would absolutely drive me crazy because one ball goes the wrong way. One errant throw, one misplay in the outfield or something weird ball hits a rock, you know, in the infield and it skips by you. It's an error, but I mean, it hit a rock or a ground ball up the line hits a base and, and kicks 30 feet into foul territory. All of a sudden you're going home and everything you worked for the past two months, three months was gone. And that, especially when you're talking weather, you know, two years ago, or was it three, you know, we were, I just remember because we were playing St. Joe's and half the state played one day. The other half of the state didn't play. Um, Some teams actually got halfway through the game. I know Northwest got halfway through the game. They weren't able to finish. Then the next day he couldn't throw his arms, you know, so we're, we're definitely not all playing on, on a level playing field when it comes to that. It's not like we have a gym that the temp is set for the, you know, seven sixty-five whatever it is with no wind and it doesn't matter what it's doing outside. You can still have your basketball tournament, yeah. you know, regardless uh, when we were talking about things being different today, you know, when I had played and I had graduated in 90, you know, it was almost a bigger deal for us to win our conference tournament back then when we had Notre Dame and St. Joe's and Xavier and um, um, we also had St. Bernard's was in there and there were pro guys, Alalania and Brardice. And, and it was almost such a, a, a big deal for us to win our conference because we went after that hard. And then by the time the tournament came, you know, it's not that we were spent, but just to show how much more important the state tournament has become now compared to back then. That's when I think we should just make a couple adjustments. Yeah. I mean, I I've been on the record saying I'm not the biggest fan of the conference tournaments i enjoy them i love going to them they're fun the kids go all out and there there have been some great games that i've been able to cover but you know some coaches like are okay and some coaches and some programs are okay with winning uh, you know conference titles and that's fine for me i think the state tournament and winning the state champion is really important um but you know there are some who, who value the conference title over the state title for me, you know, you win your conference title and then you lose in the first two rounds of the state tournament. Like, I don't understand how you could, if you win your conference tournament and you make a run to the semifinals and you lose in the state tournament, fine. But you know, you, you win the conference and you lose in the first round of states. It's like, cool. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. <laughs> That's just me personally. I love, right. they're fun to go to. They're fun to cover, but I feel like, you know, it depends on what team you watch. There are teams that they line their pitching up to win a conference title, and then they're short-armed going into the state tournament. And then there are others who line up their pitching for June 1st, for the first round of the state tournament that, you know, maybe use bullpen games to try and win a conference title. And it's just – it's very interesting to watch. Um Sometimes it like drives me crazy. I'll like go to a game and I'm like, I can't believe they're not starting this guy. But then you look at the calendar and it's like, well, they have the state tournament in two days. So they're more worried about that team, which then I totally understand. So it's just such a confusing thing that it's just so many different reasons why and why not. And we, we could go on for hours to talk about this. Maybe we will. Our line, our line at East is we don't, we don't hang conference championship banners. You know, they're great for pride, but we only hang the big ones. 
Yeah. So that's what we kind of strive for. Yeah. It's kind of funny. I, I used to cover staples a lot when I was down at the Norwalk hour and uh, you know, that was when they, they made the finals. Uh, they lost to Amity, then they won. And then obviously they won two years ago. And, you know, I always go to the field and you see all the state championship, you know, the state team uh, plaques or whatever they have. And I remember looking, I was like, Oh, where are the FCAC ones? And coach and McFarland was like, we don't, those aren't, you don't see those. You see these. <laughs> and like that, I agree with you. Go to Amity, you see all those state championship banners um, on the backstop. You know, those to me, those are the important ones. Those are the ones that you're going to remember far longer than you will a conference championship. And I like the state tournament, the fact that, you know, hopefully we'll get to see you know, East Catholic play Waterford in the semifinals or the finals, the way, however way the bracket goes out, or when we see an FCAC team play an SCC team, I think two years ago, three years ago, Amity and Ridgefield were in the semifinals, or even two years ago, Amity Southington in the yep. semifinals, two really good teams. And you're like, who's going to win the SCC, which is a top conference or this Southington team that we know did really well in the CCC. How are they going to fare against, you know, big, bad Amity and Southington won. And like those games are even when you get to the finals and like, you know, St. Joe's in M a couple of years ago, like walk it. The NVL is sneaky, quiet, so good when it comes to the tournament every year, Seymour or walk it, or, you know, maybe St. Paul this year, you know, they always may, they always have a team that makes a run and you're like, can they beat this big bad team from another conference or even Coventry or Coventry, however you pronounce it, uh, with yep. Matt Cook, like is an N triple C school that maybe not a lot of people know about. And then they get to the finals and you're like, you know, we're sitting in the press box and we're like, what's, what's their nickname? Like who's covered Coventry <laughs> before? What's oh the Patriots. Oh, okay, cool. And then Matt Cook puts on a show and you're like, he's pretty good. You know, that that's why yeah. I love the state tournament. You get to see, and I love Palmer field. I love being there all day. It's a beautiful field. They do such a great job. I mean, there are some great fields in Connecticut that if they wanted to have the championships at Dunkin' Donuts, you're not going to find an argument from me. But I just think it's so much fun. And the thing with the conference, and I know you guys don't play in conference tournaments, but like some of them are on the same day. So it's hard. Like Scott and I were going over the schedule at the beginning of the show. Like, you know, the SCC and I think the ECC are playing on the same day. And it's like, well, which one do you go to? You know? And so you kind of right. can't see everyone, but when you get to the state tournament, you see everyone. So. Yes. Yeah, cool. That you just mentioned, you know, the Haddam Killingworth, the Seymour's, the Brookfields, like they've had our number, you know, the last four years. And they, there's, those are the teams that have knocked us out, you know, so they're playing good ball and that's yeah. great. You know what? You want that. You want to, I would love to be able to play them, you know, even more to give us a little more opportunity during a regular season to go out and even, and then just play those guys just to have some fun, get to know the coaches, you know, get yeah. to see the players in the other part of the state. Um, you know, we're all in this together. So let's just, let's do it. Let's have some fun with it. Let's give our kids opportunities. You know, why not? I agree. And I think, you know, once we get to next year where conferences will open up more and we'll see a lot more cross conference play, I think it'd be really good. I mean, Waterford won L2 uh, in 19, like, I think they won 12 or 13 games in the regular season and all a lot of their losses or close games were against SCC, CCC. Um, you know, I think they might've had an FCX school or an SWC school on there. They went out and played these good teams and these good programs and they lost or won. And then they get to the state tournament and you're kind of like, we've done this. Like we haven't just played our conference teams 
And I think this year in the state tournament, we're going to see a lot of interesting things where some teams maybe have taken advantage of a softer schedule and, uh, or they're going to come out and dominate. This year will be different. Yeah. Yeah. This year will be a little different, Pete, because, you know, a lot of conferences weren't allowed to play out of conference. So, you know, some of those schools have, it works both ways, right? You go out and you try to get some really tough games. Like that's what we will try to do. Try to go out and get some really tough games to make us better. And then there's some teams that play such an absolute brutal schedule that they do need a couple other games to give them a little bit more confidence. You know, this year we really didn't have the chance to, to go out there and play Hamden and play the Rhode Island schools that we play because we just couldn't uh, even Stratford, um, we haven't been able to do that. So it's going to be interesting when you're playing teams from other places, because you really don't have a lot of information on some of them, unless you were able to go out and see them yourself. Yeah. It's going to be fun, but we're going to wrap up with our, our rapid fire questions uh, right off the bat. It's my go-to. If I'm going to go cover a game in Manchester at East Catholic, where am I getting food pre or post game? All right. So lately we've been going with this tomato sauce uh, up to the, t- for the team Pepe's pizza, which is kind of just like a, you know, a, a chain, but very good for us locally. And they've been delivering to us. So I got to give them a plug to, uh, for hooking us up. Okay. Um, favorite player that you've coached. Oh, baby. I mean, we have <laughs> been had so a lot of blessed with, with so many, like just great kids. And um, so fortunate to be a part of so many of their lives that is just a complete unfair question that I'm not answering. <laughs> well, I will say, I know that there's, there's definitely a lot of, I knew it would be a hard question because at that game at Southington, there were a lot of former players there, um, which I thought was really cool. Um, yes. But I, 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 Jimmy, Jimmy Titus was very fun to watch. I, I will say that. You know, Jimmy gave things to our program. Like I say all the time, he hit a lot of home runs. He struck a lot of guys out. But what he gave us for work ethic and letting kids know how important it was, that's something that will stick with the program forever. Absolutely. All right, Coach, thank you so much for joining. I'm so happy to have you back on. Um, You will see me soon, I'm sure of that. Uh, Hopefully during a nice run, maybe a Palmer Field. Who knows? Well, that would be fantastic. And thanks – Thanks to you and Scott and all the others for covering high school sports. You guys are amazing. And one reason that some of us are out in the media as much as we are is because of you. We know that the kids know that it's funny because all the kids know who you are, know when you're coming to the games, they love it. So we appreciate your support. Well, I will tell you, it's so much fun. It might be my favorite season. Um, you know, because baseball is just, it's fun to watch, except when those games get crazy and there are a lot of errors, but I digress. <laughs> but it's a great time, and, and, and you guys make it uh, a lot of fun being there. Uh, so thank you so much, and we will uh, talk soon, Coach. Thanks again, Pete. All right, we are back. I'm high and tight. want to thank uh, East Catholic coach Martin Fiore for joining us. Um, man, the coaches have been so great this year, and – we're so thankful that they come on and spend time out of their day. Obviously they have busy schedules during the day. A lot of them are teachers or, or doing other jobs. Um, and we should point out that East Catholic is the only undefeated team in the state at this point. Really? Uh, there's a lot that of teams. With one, Yeah. Cause I mean, if you look in M, you know, Woodland's got one, Northwestern's got one, Waterford. And 
Uh, there's nobody in S because Nanawa and St. Paul both have one loss. Uh, Southampton wow. has a loss in double L. Uh, Hamden has one loss in double L. And Hand has one in L, right? So yeah. I don't think there's anyone else in L. No, just Hand with that, one. Yeah. So East you know, one undefeated team, one undefeated team. Um, and they run such a great program up. Again, we'll see what happens in the state tournament. But they certainly seem to be built um, like they're going to be able to compete up there. Again, Class M has some has some good teams creeping around in there. And you know, if you run into New Fairfield and get one of their top two pitchers, you can have a hard time. If you run into Bo Yurowski at uh, Killingly, if you run into Waterford, or if you run into Woodland the wrong day, like East Catholic can certainly be taken down. But um, it's going to take a big effort and take like a perfect game from somebody. I don't mean throwing a perfect game, but I just mean like playing clean, getting the clutch hits, like doing all that stuff. Like you're really going to have to work to to beat East Catholic and and That's not perfect. and deny them that Class M title. I mean, they seem so locked in on on yeah, getting this, that. This isn't this isn't a past year's Class M. You know this this is going to be a good bracket. And I was saying this to a coach yesterday. We don't know. There's no, there's been no crossover this year. There's been no FCAC. Yeah, there's no, there's no FCAC SCC. Uh, no, there, there's uh, some NCCC Berkshire Shoreline yeah. stuff. But going like on, a lot of the lot. big, very little. A lot of the big. Teams, not that, we haven't yeah. seen the crossover, so we don't really know what they're looking at. And even when we get into the conference tournament, like there's been a, there hasn't been a lot of crossover in the SCC. So we're gonna yeah. see it in the tournament, but the FCAC we kind of know who the better teams are in that league because they play each other. Same with the SWC. We're going to learn a little bit more about the SCC, but we're really not like there's, there could be a really good team. And uh, you know, one of them is Xavier that uh, lost yeah. a hand the other day. Xavier's really good and they're not getting yeah. much love in the poll, but they're really talented. And like, I'm excited to see what they do when they get into the double L tournament. So we'll see. Um, It'd also be interesting to see because the CC, of course, doesn't play a tournament. So, you know, we've talked about this many times in the past. So, the, you know, the, if you're battling for a conference tournament, you're using pitchers and East Catholic can kind of set everything up and roll into states exactly how they want to go in. Southington, the same thing. Berlin, Manchester Hall, all those schools can roll into state tournament, you know, rested and, and ready to go. It makes a big difference, I think. So, okay. <laughs> All right. We will. Um, <laughs> I see your fingers rolling. I'm just trying to get back to the screen. I don't know why I can't make you big again. Oh, here we go. Um, all right. So, we want to thank Martin Fiore again for joining us on High and Tight. Uh, we will be back next week where we'll be in the thick of the conference playoffs. Pete and I will have a lot to talk about. Uh, and then again, the state tournament starts the week after that. So, for Pete. I'm Scott. We'll see you next week on High and Tight. Get us the schedule of the NVL. Later. <laughs> <laughs>